0: All right, welcome to another edition of the Culture Class Podcast, the podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds and get to learn about other cultures. My name is Nosai Yari, and today I have Mr. Nine Nine Johnson who are returning on another episode. How's it going, man?
1: Going good. What's up, everybody?
0: What's up yeah. with you this week? I mean, the last time you were on here, you gave such a interesting you know, interview, at least from my perspective, talking a whole bunch of uh, mental health issues and a lot of things that people take for granted.
1: Uh, what have you been up to since uh,
0: the last interview?
1: Um, just a lot of working, personal work, you know, self-care um, self-care actually takes a lot of work. And so, <laughs> you know, just like prioritizing, um, what is the most important, um, as it relates to just the things that I'm, am motivated by because I'm an artist, I'm a digital artist. I, I create content and I also do a lot of coaching. And so, um, just, always staying, keeping my priorities set, because back in the early 2000s, my priorities were so backwards that I'm amazed I was able to, you know, manage to afford a place to live and maintain a car and all kinds of stuff. But, um, yeah, just daily life, you know, as I'm working towards becoming an entrepreneur, and so just... Doing the work to stay on top of scheduling, doing the work to stay on top of my research and balancing my personal self-care, my meditation, you know, my personal reading, my personal journaling and all of that together just keeps me just it keeps me busy. Right. And, and right. I, I have no idea how people can be an entrepreneur and be married at the same time.
0: <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Some people have two businesses Jeff Bezos, um, what's his name? Not Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and all those guys. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he's not married anymore, but you get it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's interesting you say that, though, that you're working on becoming an entrepreneur because that word is like tossed around so much these days. Like based on what you do, a lot of people just call themselves entrepreneurs. I mean, you create content, you coach, mm-hmm. you you yeah. know, provide like spiritual counseling for people. People just like, like what makes you think you're not yet an entrepreneur? Is it because you're not getting paid consistently for these services? Like what, what well, makes you say you're working on becoming
1: an entrepreneur? I don't have an LLC yet. You know, there's just certain things that aren't um, structured legally, you know. And so I'm just reserving that title until I get all of that stuff done, because there's especially in Los Angeles, there's a lot of people who just will take the title and take that passion and that motivation, and then they'll run out and start collaborating with people and then end up wasting their fucking time. <laughs> mm, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so out of respect for myself and everyone else, you know, I just I like to keep things super transparent. I don't call myself a duck until I got web feet, a bill nice. and I can fly. You know what I'm saying?
0: Nice, nice.
1: Oh, that's um, interesting.
0: They say the cost of being an entrepreneur is like fifty-nine dollars, depending on where you live. That's the cost of registering an LLC. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, the work and, starts after then. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I also want to uh, point out that just everything that I said is relates to me and only me. I, I you know, I agree that you know um, everything that you said about entrepreneurship. You know, is true and based off of the definition. You know, there's a lot of people that call themselves entrepreneur, but knowing myself, I've wasted six years of my life doing things that particular way for me. And I just know that when I give myself extra leeway, I just get too excited and motivated and want to socialize and network. And so I waste my time by doing that. But, you know, I think that it works for other people. Yeah, no, No. that makes cool. sense.
0: Like I said, the, the yeah. word is tossed around nowadays and anyone with like a 2,000 followers is like an influencer slash entrepreneur slash boss, yeah. you know, yeah. but it is what it is. Um, let's talk about what we were supposed to talk about. Like the well, last time yeah, you came yeah, on yeah. here, like I specifically like scheduled the interview to talk about uh, Burning Man. Yes, Uh, but you know we got I wouldn't say sidetracked because you know that felt so organic the way we had uh Mm -hmm. last interview but let's delve a little into Burning Man right so yes this podcast you know Burning Man is fairly popular in the U.S. uh, but I guess um, this podcast is a little international we have people from different countries and if you ask me like my layman idea of Burning Man and just fair warning like there, there's gonna be a lot of ignorance on my part like in no, this no, episode. No. Uh,
1: we're, we're totally we're totally used to it yeah you ask the
0: average person what is burning man oh you know just a bunch of people like who are running in the desert um high or something but you know that's that's just like a, a generic brush that a lot of people used to paint burning man so do you want to explain what
1: exactly burning man is burning man is a like a a dynamic cultural event it is about bringing people together to build a massive city in the black rock desert and that city is it's like a grassroots uh development every year there is a non-profit organization that does that funds thousands of art projects a lot of the art that you see in the Burning man videos are funded by either individuals, groups of individuals that have the you know the means to do so or funded by the Burning man project itself. And so um, 60 between 60,000 to 80,000 people you know converge into the desert and we build a city and you can see the maps of the city and so as the once the border is built, then the people come everyone builds their little camps there's uh, camps the size of one individual person. And there's camps the size of 500 people, and usually those bigger camps are theme camps, and so those camps have a theme, and people will create art. They'll bring DJ setups. Some of them will bring massive sound stages, like uh, a sound stage just like um, you might see at EDC or uh, Coachella. Like they'll bring all of that, and it's not. Paid for by Burning Man. And so these people, these individual groups of people will fundraise throughout the year to be able to afford to bring that whole soundstage. And they'll pay, you know, uh, independent contractors to ship in the stage. There's like people, I would imagine that Burning Man just like that, that year is millions upon millions of dollars worth of money that's just distributed to shipping. walmart (laughs) i can see that Uh, home depot Depot, um music rental companies because there's so many djs almost every camp has their own dj setup and so a lot of people you know rather than bringing their own speakers they'll rent speakers and so there's just so much stuff going on but one thing that um people who are either you could call us diehard burners or burners or people who just believe in the term for
0: people who go to burning man like burners.
1: Yeah burners. Okay. And um people who just believe in the culture of Burning Man, it's not a party, you know, because you could say it's it's not. It looks like one
0: great party.
1: (laughs) Like 50% of the people like, and this is just a a rough guesstimate, my personal guesstimate, but I would say like 50% of the people or more don't go there particularly for the party and maybe 40% of them don't even party. You know what I'm saying? There's, it's, it's primarily art, the development of art, development of ideas and the development of culture. And it started off, you know, in San Francisco at the beach. And it was an eclectic group of people who wanted to, I forget the, you know, total story, but Basically, they wanted to get away from the establishment, and they wanted to, you know, gather, commune, connect in however they chose to do so. Whether it's, you know, bringing an RV and just camping gear and everybody just camps and plays music and plays guitar and does whatever they want to do. Um, I heard stories that some of them would, you know, set up shooting ranges and just shoot their guns, bring their ATVs and just, you know, bug out and do that type of thing. Other of them, you know, and so it was just like art expression recreation and because they uh they would burn the man which is like this big effigy uh wooden figure of a man and then they would burn it at the end of you know their little um function at the beach in san francisco but the city was like no oh, you can't do that and so long story short they found a better place in the middle of the desert where it wouldn't bother anybody and so uh, when you say the uh, desert that's in nevada right Yeah, the Black Rock Desert in Nevada.
0: Got it. And and when he says, like, build a city, like, he's not joking. Like, I see, if you Google Burning Man before and after pictures, Google before the yearly events, is literally, like, just a desert, nothing. And then once the city is built, every year you see it's, like, a whole thriving community. But the funny thing is that a week later or two weeks later, that you don't see anything. Like, everything is, like, stripped apart. And it's interesting because there's no, like, pollution or waste or anything it's just like a clean desert all yep. over again and it's a very popular like obviously starting in san francisco so there's some ties to the tech community as well like it's very popular with like talk tech entrepreneurs where they take like a week out of the year or something or go to burning man like elon Musk goes to Burning Man. some
1: people use it now before you before, before you continue with right. that idea burning man existed Far beyond, far before the tech community was even considered the tech community. And so it's almost like it would be considered a slap in the face to talk about it from that perspective, because it would be more, Burning Man would be more of a, I'm being careful with the words that I use, Mm -hmm. but... You know the Bay Area, San Francisco, Berkeley is known for their political movements. is known Lots. for um, whether it's uh, social justice, um, counterculture, counterculture, the arts. Um, what is it? Recycling and just environment. A lot of movements started in the Bay Area, like the LGBT community. Um, a lot of movements, like. If it can be done better, you know, the genesis of ideas usually starts in the Bay Area. And so, this idea of counterculture or community started in the Bay Area and then moved out into the desert so it could, you know, thrive and expand and become whatever it wants to become. But as it relates to the tech community, you know, a lot of money may have um, found its way to, well, no, no, I wouldn't even say that, you know, it's just like the tech community is in the Bay Area, Burning Man and the organization and all that is in the Bay Area. And there's a lot of people, you know, in the tech community that enjoy the ideas of Burning Man. And so they, they participate, but I wouldn't, Say that it has anything to do with the tech. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. It right. doesn't have anything to do with the tech no,
0: community. No, 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 no. I mean, I, 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 wasn't like trying to infer that you know, uh, Burning Man was created by the tech community or is you know. But I'm, I'm just saying like uh, how a bunch of people get to know about Burning Man, myself included, because you know when we follow all these you know tech tech entrepreneurs, we just get to know that oh, they go for something called Burning Man, like. Oh, okay. And that's like yeah, my yeah. personal introduction, in a sense, uh, to Burning Man as well as movies here and there but let's talk about your involvement with burning man like how long have you been going to burning man and what was your very first um when was the very first time you heard about burning man what motivated you to go for the very first time
1: i've been involved for eight years and my first year was 2010. One of my friends, his sister went, and I was I was living at my friend's house at the time. And everyone knows that I'm just a spiritual, you know, type of dude. I'm spiritual, mental health, self help, all of that stuff. And so when she went, the people that she met and her experience was very, you know, holistic. Was very spiritual. They had yoga. They had meditation. Um, they had talks. There was just people sharing like really um, dope philosophies and ideas. And so from her perspective, it was a spiritual event. And the reason why I say it like that is because two, diff- two people can have two different, com- you know, complete perspectives of Burning Man. And mm-hmm. so she came back and she was like, oh, my God, you would love this. You know, um, I'll email you some videos. You should totally go next year. And so I saw it and I saw all of the art vehicles and, you know, all of the different people dressed in, you know, which every way that, that you could possibly imagine. And I was like, yo, this looks fun. And so I called right. up, I called up my homeboy and we we called ourselves missionaries back in the day, which was if there was a mission to go on, you know, I, if, if he was going, I'd be down. If I was going, he'd be down, you know, and so we would just you know, pack everything in the car and go on a mission. And so that first year, that's what I did. And that's what we did. And we just, uh, camped out in the back of my truck and, you know, we, we got all of the food and all the necessities and we just drove, I think it from LA, it was like a 10 hour drive. And so, you know, that's another aspect of Burning Man is to get there. It's a, a literal mission. Like, even people from the bay area it probably takes them about six to seven hours to get from the bay area from san francisco or oakland to black rock city and and so and from from las vegas it's about the same as la so maybe um, so even if you fly to vegas you still have to drive like six
0: hours to get there so yeah interesting and so what how did you know what to prepare do you like ask your friend what to take with you Like, what what did you, like, have
1: supplies? Like, what was that first trip? I want to know. One Uh, One of the magical things about Burning Man is, like, the law of attraction is real. I'm telling you, it is real. And the moment you set your intention to go to Burning Man, you start meeting people who have gone to Burning Man. And I met this couple. They weren't going that year. And they possibly, I think they said they weren't going for the next two years. And so they gave me... A lot of their um, camping equipment, they gave me a list of everything that I need. They gave me the, the, nice. the website. And then the website also has a, a, a survival list because it's the desert. And it's like, it's not the sand, like, you know, like the, the typical desert that you see in the movies where it's like sand dunes and shit. It's not that. It's a dried out lake bed. And so because it's a dried out lake bed, the, the the dirt or the soil is alkaline and it's super alkaline to the point where when you are out there, the soil is dehydrating you and the sun is dehydrating you. Is it, it hot all through or it gets cold at night? Because it's on the northern uh, side of Nevada, it's not as like you couldn't do Burning Man in Vegas on the southern uh, side of nevada you couldn't do burning man because the sun is it's just too 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 hot the further south you go in nevada it's just too too hot so um the northern nevada it the the hottest it gets is like generally like 90 degrees mm. maybe once or twice it'll get to like 105 that's you know pretty hot. that's pretty hot but right. you know vegas is hitting like the 115s and but even northern nevada 105 it's not vegas 105 it's not dry right. heat you know so you still get the breeze because northern nevada i believe is right next to oregon which rains a lot you know so then you get you go to oregon and then you go to washington where it rains all the time it's always cloudy time. yeah so it's but like you, that perfect balance know? Yeah,
0: kind of like another misconception. I always thought that you don't need anything to go to Burning Man. Obviously, I, I saw people like going with like camping equipment, like people have their backpacks, make sure they're hydrated with like their camel, whatever, with water and all their stuff. But Burning Man from my um from what I've learned, is it also has the spirit of what they call the sharing? I guess. Yeah, so I guess. like so. If you go go there without anything, you're always catered to no. uh, by strangers in a way. No. I guess it makes sense because if no one brought anything, then everyone would be stranded. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you speak to that whole sharing culture? Like, is it so, a real thing that you can just walk into someone's sense, get some food, get whatever, and move along?
1: The second principle um, is gifting. I'm just going to read it off the website. Burning Man is devoted to acts of gifting. The value of a gift is unconditional. Gifting does not contemplate or return um, return or an exchange for something of equal value. And so basically, when you go to Burning Man, you have your, your packing list and you make sure you have, uh, let me see, one, two, three, uh, number four uh, the, of the 10 principles is radical self-reliance which which says Burning Man encourages the individual to discover, exercise, and rely on their inner resources. So what that means is it is your responsibility to prepare for your trip. And when you buy the ticket, they make sure you read this, uh, I guess you could call it an addendum, which basically says that you are aware that it is your responsibility to provide for yourself and rely on yourself. But that being said, number two, gifting. And number six is communal effort. So when you put all of those together, if you run out of water, I will give you some of my water. If you need a whole gallon or two gallons of my water, I will more than likely give you two gallons of my water. But at the same time, I'll let you know how that potentially inconveniences me and everybody at my camp. Because when you come to Burning Man, one of the basic tenets is radical self-reliance and so a lot of people that go think of it as a party and so especially if it's your first time yeah yeah and so they don't think you know just like there are different types of people in the world and there's a there's a a pocket of our global community that doesn't think before they they make, you know, large decisions. And so they look at these videos and they and what they see is a party. And so- a fire fest. And a fire fest and camping. And so they think, okay, I'm just going camping, right? But if you were going to go camping, that would probably be 50% of what you would bring the Burning Man because it's the desert. So if you're going to bring water camping, you're not going to be drinking as much water as you're going to be drinking, you know, at Burning Man because you're drinking to sustain- you know, your minerals, you're drinking to sustain hydration because you're constantly being dehydrated from the, from the soil and the sun. Sun, and, right, right. And so they're constantly, with, there's there's so much information throughout the internet, throughout the community of people yep. telling you all of the things that you will need. And so the idea I, that you you can, and there are people who do it, uh, they call them like sparkle ponies or, or whatnot. People, sparkle ponies. There are people mm. who are super into the festival Circuit and idea, or they're super into the the um psychedelics and psychedelic hippie culture, to where they'll just show up to Burning Man. You know, they'll just show up to Burning Man. Your average burner will be like, "Fuck no, that's a bad idea. Don't do that because one, you're putting yourself in danger, and two, you're putting other people in danger. And so, right. or or you know, putting them in danger, but you're just putting a burden on everyone to take care of you. So I guess experienced
0: burners, they don't just pack supply for themselves. They like get some extra just in case. Yeah. That
1: kind of thing, like other people. You'll you'll bring like, everyone will bring like three to 5% more than they need. Because, you know, and so it's like, if you're not going to make a gift, if you're not going to make a necklace or a piece of art or whatever, or food and give it out to people, then you could at least bring, and this isn't something that is um expected required yeah required or expected or anything like that but your average person will bring just a little bit more than they need because they know that they're going to meet someone who you know didn't come prepared and rather than you know giving them what you what you know that you need just bring a little bit more You know. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean that
0: makes that makes a lot of sense. And you know you were running through like the ten principles. There's literally something called the ten principles of Burning Man, and I have it pulled up here. The first one is radical inclusion, and I have a lot of questions for each of these principles based mm-hmm. off your experience. Uh, radical inclusion, gifting, like you said decommodification so I guess what does that mean in order to preserve the spirit of gifting our community seeks to create social environments that are unmediated by commercial sponsorship so Burning Man doesn't have any sponsors no sponsors wow I thought there'll be like a Mountain Dew or like a Hennessy Bob, no. somewhere no 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 <laughs> That'll probably dilute the brand. That would dilute. <laughs> like if you go to Burning Man and see like a Coca Cola truck pull up. Exactly. Like, and that's. Welcome to Burning Man.
1: That's. Burn with Coke. Part of the reason <laughs> that Burning Man is so special and part of the reason people, you know, like believe in it. Some people, like, you know, it's, they it's part of their life is that the only thing that's sold at Burning Man is ice and coffee
0: wow even in the desert coffee is being sold well that's a starbucks place starbucks can sponsor I say, like, okay free coffee <laughs> <laughs> coffee in the desert that's yeah. funny but the but reason says- that
1: they need the coffee is because there are thousands of people working on art projects throughout the entire mm. event and a lot of those projects you know people pull all- all-nighters because there's a, a a big uh pyrotechnic theme in burning man so a lot Is of there
0: money allowed in burning man like do, do they have like POSs and cash how, how do mm. people pay or they use like the wristband thing
1: no no, no. um you bring cash for ice and okay. if you're working on projects or um for whatever reason you don't have the means to make your own coffee people bring money for coffee and they sell coffee at this camp called Center Camp, and it's it's a big circle tent in the center the of the whole clock looking the clock um, city. And so they sell coffee there, and there's performances, and there's uh, talks, and there's uh, music that plays there, and it's an environment where people you know come and get together and whatnot. You know, you wake up in the morning. Um, it's almost like if you have a small town and everyone has their own house, if you don't have some type of a marketplace like a town hall kind of thing yeah it's like that and so coffee is like the only legitimate necessity you know like we're in pandemic right now and there's uh specific certain things are are deemed necessary right you could say that coffee is necessary because there's always people who like there's a medical tent and the medical tent is 24 hours right and so there's always people who are up either preparing for something to be burned, you know, preparing mm-hmm. for the demolition of something, preparing for something to be built. Demolition? Yeah. You know what? Let's talk about that. But before I talk
0: about that, let me just read through like the 10 okay. um, uh, principles of Burning Man. So we have radical inclusion, gifting, decommodification, radical self-reliance, radical self-expression, everything's so radical. Communal effort, civic responsibility, Leaving no trace, I guess that speaks to cleanup, participation, and immediacy. What's immediacy? Immediate experiences in many ways the most important touchstone in the value of culture. We seek to overcome barriers that stand between us and the recognition of our inner selves. Okay, and all this stuff. Let me let me let's touch on some of these principles. We might not be able to go through all of them, but yeah. the first one, like radical inclusion, let's start from there. So it, it's safe to say that Burning Man is being patronized by uh, not to bring race into this, but let's say predominantly Caucasian people, yeah. like white people. Yes. And I guess that speaks to why coffee is also like one of the necessities at Burning Might, because I'm sure like if other races were there, that substance would be something else, not coffee. Um, but in radical inclusion, like some people have this argument that is Burning Man really inclusive because it's almost like a select, group of people like we have, like you said, you know, people who are countercultural, mostly of one skin tone for the most part, even though different people go to Burning Man. And it can be in some way deemed as elitist in a way because the tickets are so expensive. And just based off the people who go to Burning Man, it's like you have to be at a certain tax bracket. Is that true or not in your experience?
1: Um, I would say that... Part of it is true, which is it's not necess- It's not elitist. On I guess that's from a from a tech terminology. On the front end, it's not elitist. You know, on the front end, it's super inclusive. And me, me being you know um, a person who's just generally down for anything as long as it's not dangerous or just like super negative. Um, I was I still have my reservations of how I would be. Received in the environment because you know you watch the videos and you don't necessarily see a lot of uh, people of African descent, you know, at Burning Man. But I grew up in California and a lot of spaces are generally white, and so I was just like, "Fuck it, let's go, let's find out." And so when I got there, the the reception was so mind blowing that I became a burner for life, and the radical inclusion uh, part. People take that shit seriously to the point that on my first day, we set up camp. Everything was good. I had on my cut cutoff um, army pants. So I, I cut them in the shorts. I was wearing a black tank top and a hat. And I was just walking around. And usually when people wear hiking clothes or clothes that you might assume, oh, yeah, this person's going hiking. You can tell that it's their first time or
0: their first. What do you mean going hiking? Oh, like they just think that that's the best way to dress. Forward Burning Man, that's what you mean. If
1: you've never been, you know, it's just like, okay, you're going out in the desert, so you're, obviously you're going to wear short, and you're going to be walking around a lot, so you're going to wear some really good walking shoes, you know. Makes sense. And so it's something that you might see somebody wear and assume that they're going hiking. Now, your average burner is, you know, dressed up in costume or um, some type of, like, comfortable spandex with all these different colors or just some kind of outfit, you know what I'm saying? And so on my first day... I'm just walking around, looking at all the different camps, saying hi to people. And I see this camp called Pink Mammoth. And it's just like a, a pink shade structure with DJ set up. And they had like the whole background of the DJ was just all decked out. And the theme was pink and people are just like, the music is just thumping. People are dancing. And then I dance. I used to break dance. I danced to house music, hip hop, everything. And so I get in there. I just start dancing, doing my thing. That's how I kind of, lower my inhibitions by just starting myself off, you know? Mm-hmm. And then this dude turns around and he's just like, literally, shit, you're not. Oh shit, you're here. And, I, and he's looking me dead in the eyes. I, I look behind me and I'm like, Doug, when did you get here? And so I, I told him, like me and my friend just got here today. He's like, dope, dog, we've been waiting for you. And so he's like, this. waiting for Like, he like wait, wait, wait. Like, do you know this guy? Or no. You- okay. Not oh. at all. But he was like, "Yo, this is um, blah blah blah. This is blah blah blah." And he's just introducing me to his friends, like he was waiting for me to show up to the party, and it was a seamless performance. Like, interesting. None of them kind of, none of them broke the 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 theme. I'm not even sure why he did it, but you know, once I once I learned about the ten principles, I kind of got that this was his way of practicing radical inclusion, which was, you know, receive people the way that you would want to be received, receive people with love, receive people with respect. And some people have gone to Burning Man so long that they have their own unique way of doing it. And this was this guy's way. For me, I just communicate. You know what I'm saying? I'm just a talker. I let people know like the little breakdown, the lay of the land. I let them know that this is a safe space. You don't have to be any which way, you know, because a lot of the camps that I camped at, you have like a lot of people who work in Vegas. You know, so um, fitness buffs. You know, Vegas and Los Angeles. Our camps are, you know, so in if you were to say a specific pocket of the world, Vegas and California, and you can even say Texas. Oh no, Vegas and California would be like the epicenter of, of health, wellness, fitness, entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Florida. yeah, mm-hmm. and Florida. Um, and so a lot of our camps are filled with what you might describe as beautiful people. And one of they are mostly shirtless, right? And they're mostly shirtless, you know, shirtless or in bathing suits or whatnot. And so you get a lot of older people and you get a lot of people who don't look like that that feel like we are unapproachable. And so I break that that barrier quick. You know, I let people know that this is a safe space. You know, everybody here is, is is just friendly, you know, inviting, accepting. You know, come through, come hang out. Blah, 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 why blah. you say why you say older people? who's
0: the oldest person you think? Maybe you didn't look at their ID or anything,
1: about eighty? Eighty 80 90. Burning man? Yeah. Because once you once you pass this like say sixty-five, once you're considered an elder like an elderly person, when it comes mm-hmm. to life. You know, you're, like, trying to get in what you yeah. can get in. Like, fuck it. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> bucket, like uh, Morgan Freeman, <laughs> you know, with the bucket list. You know what I'm saying? And right. so Burning Man is one of those uh, wonders of the world where everybody right. talks about it, but not that many people have gone. right, right. You right. know, and so there's a lot of elderly people. There's a lot of people in their, like, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, that go... For the experience of inclusion, because mm-hmm. one of the number one demographics of people who are excluded out of all of society are elderly people. Or old people. That makes sense. You know, and so if you were blessed to get to go to Burning Man at those ages, you'll go, you'll come back because at Burning Man, people don't disregard your your presence because of your age. And so Interesting. But how many of these relationships, like you've been going for eight
0: years, like a lot of burners don't just go once, right? You would definitely come back, if not every year, every other year. How many relationships... Um, can you say you've made from Burning Man and that translates to real life after Burning Man? Are these guys still your friends? Do they still practice that radical inclusion two weeks later after Burning Man? Do they check up on you on on Christmas Day, ask you, you you know, how's the family on Thanksgiving? Or it's just like, oh, we see again, you know, see you next year, see you next year, that kind of thing
1: one of the the i guess you could, one of the magical things and i like magical is like legit one of the magical things about burning man is that once you go and you experience the the community and you experience thousands of people practicing these practicing these principles when you leave as long as you don't have like an accident or something you know that that's uh, unfortunate or whatever but when you leave you literally have withdrawals from the experience interesting like there's something called decompression after the burn and the need for decompression is because being in an environment where everyone is so accepting and allowing and supportive and and active in the community in the community with the immediacy you know and the participation you know and so it's just like you're in a world where everything is good And generally, everything is safe. And so Mm -hmm. when you leave, when it's time to go, you don't want to go. You're like a kid who went to Disneyland for the first time. You don't want to go. You don't want to go home. And when you do go home, then you start, you know, it's like as you're on the road back to your plane or back to whatever city you live in, the real world starts to sink in. You know, all of those responsibilities and all of the the cultural, you know, things that you have to realign with, you know what I'm saying? Like, say, you're a hardcore Christian, so now you can't, um, there's certain things that you can't say, there's certain things that you can't share with your family that happened at Burning Man, you know? Uh, you have to go to work and say you work in finance where everyone has to wear a suit and tie and blah, blah, blah. And there's like an expectation for you to be a specific way. No, I'm not, I'm not
0: even asking. Uh, I mean, it, it, it will be too much of an expectation to expect people to do a complete 180 and change. Out oh, of no, 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 no. That's not I'm what I was... Saying saying
1: within the community. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting to that point. And so okay. it's like Burning Man creates like this new space in your heart. And so then you go home, and you look. My on my way home, my second burn, I cried. On my way home, my third burn, I cried. On my way home, my fourth burn, I cried because each time was so unique and so special that it was just like it was literally like I was in a movie like The Goonies or something, and I had this amazing experience. And so you know, um, just nostalgia and everything just instantly hits. So to your question, everyone that. Generally, a majority of the people that go have this experience and it creates this new space in their heart. And so a decompression party are groups of people in each city that went to Burning Man and they come together to talk about their experiences because Burning Man is over. And so that feeling is oh. no longer there. And so the decompression party is... And, and this is back in the different cities of the yeah, U.S. or international. In Seattle, San Francisco, up. Texas, Las Vegas, so New I York. Did literally like Facebook groups and things? Like how the people get together? Facebook groups, people get together. Now, this is the magic. I could go to New York and ask someone, where do burners usually, you know, come together in New York? And anyone in that party, nine times out of 10, I could say, I need a place oh. to stay because such and such, blah, 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 blah. I got you. Just like at Burning Man. So it's Lake. like a tribe almost. Yes. It's
0: kind of like a tribe of, it's like, I don't know, a tribe of Joe Rogan listeners or something. Yes. Or a tribe of, you know, it can be, you know, soccer followers. Like we all exist in this world where different people like different things. But if we can find something to connect, like I was in Australia one time and what happened, uh, I think we connected, I think it was football or something. Like in far away Australia, this, this Indian guy who was going to school in China and me, this uh, Nigerian guy who was going to school in the U.S., met up in Sydney and just because of our love for football, like that mm-hmm. was a connection. Like, so that, that builds the tribe, right? Mm-hmm. So like Burners have experienced that everyone understands. And even when you're outside Burning Man, like it's easy to identify, oh no, I got you. It's kind of like Swifties or whatever, like Taylor Swift fans and things like
1: that. No, pretty- it's not. No, no, not to compare Burners <laughs> to <laughs> No, Swippers. no, no. I understand what you I'm, mean with the, like the Swifties yeah, and whatnot, just- but it's more of Burn. like, because you've experienced the thousands of people practicing the principles,
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: almost like going to a Buddhist community. And so you're surrounded by the culture and you see what the culture is like in that community. And then you go, say you're say you go to Tibet and you go to a Bud- a, a Buddhist commune in Tibet. And so then you go to Texas and you see that it's the same type of a commune you know, in Texas. And so you're just like, Oh, well, let me run up in there and see if it's, you know, exactly the same. Yep. And it is. And so then it's just like, because you experience, say a month in that Tibetan, you know, monastery or commune, you, mm-hmm. you already know what it's going to be in Texas. Facts. And so it's, it's, I describe it like that because it's more of a community or a culture in a massive city. And so rather than it just being like one thing that like, say, for instance, I love I love uh, sports. I love baseball. I could show up to a spot and me and someone could have a really awesome conversation about baseball. And then we could, you know, form a friendship around baseball, you know, or just based off of that conversation. Baseball was like the icebreaker. And then from there we can become friends with Burning Man. It's like there's a whole culture behind it. And so Mm -hmm. wherever there's a burner community. I know that I can go and all 10 principles will be some aspect in, in whatever mm. city. Now with baseball, makes sense. I can meet someone who loves baseball. Like I love baseball. I can but meet someone who doesn't identify that, with the other things. But doesn't, oh. I, yeah, with the other things. And mm. so it's just like, sense. you know, oh, I thought you, you know, some people, they love, you know, your specific sport, but they don't like your team. Right, you know what I'm saying, and so then, right right, 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 they
0: get off. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about some of these these ideas. Like when people say. Ideas. I'm like, what exactly? What the hell is it? just some kind of Illuminati meeting going on? Like, <laughs> what? What the hell are these ideas? Like, was COVID made in Burning Man? Like, what? Well, like, what are some of these? Is it really simple things that you guys just talk about? Like, is it religion? Is it politics? Like, what are some of the ideas you personally
1: um, have exchanged?
0: People, in you know, certain groups in Burning Man.
1: People will talk about, say. Um, Quantum physics, like someone will give a talk about quantum physics. Someone will give a talk. I've given a talk about performance anxiety and how to overcome fears. And when you say giving the talk, like people are sitting down, you're on the stage or yeah. uh, what's the setting? Yeah, there's, there's a, a domed uh, tent to protect people from the sun and the dust. And maybe in a room you can have anything from 25 to 50 to 100 people of small groups of small groups and you have a speaker come in and that speaker is usually established somewhere in whatever city that they're from and they volunteer you know there there are camps specifically set up to create spaces for speakers to come and talk and burning man has a really thick events guide and so people who want to give events and give talks they sign up before the event starts and then when you're at Burning Man, you go through the guide and it's like, this is what's happening today. And it has a, a straight um, Sunday through Sunday breakdown of all of the different things that are happening, all of the subjects you know, and you can find something to do every single day. Kind of like different breakout sessions, and you can just
0: join in or yeah. whatever interests you. That kind of thing. How are these talks given? Is it like a okay? I'm talking about quantum physics. Is it like a corporate talk where I'm talking to my fellow physicians or physicists, and you know, something like that, or it's just like very random. Like, give me a, walk me through one interesting talk. Um, sat through.
1: There's a lot of talks about psychedelics being used as uh, healing modality or therapies, um, and since I since 2010, probably since way before that, you know, you have people who are in that space, who are like legitimately in that space, uh, botanists and biologists and therapists, and they've been talking about, um, I think, DMT being, um, whether it's straight DMT or psilocybin from the mushrooms or um, ayahuasca. Mm, that's a new one, ayahuasca. Yeah, they've been talking about the, all of those being um, accepted by the mainstream medical community and by the, the states and federal governments legalizing them and them being ushered into you know the, uh, being used as mainstream therapies. And now it's actually happening. You know, um, I believe all three of those have been classified as non-drug uh, substances. So in some states, in right? certain states, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but in California, um, they have uh, medical programs, uh, college programs. Well, my friend is in one of them, and she's basically training to become a a psychedelic therapist interesting yes and so you learn it has
0: to be really controlled practice
1: yeah and at burning man you could say um say the her college teacher wanted to give a talk well he sets it up he tells you know his um his, what are they called? Colleagues about it. If they're going to Burning Man, they might show up, but it's also in the, in the events guide. Guide. And so, you know, there are other people who either want to learn more about DMT, have heard stories about it. And, you know, someone like me, I don't try anything unless I find a responsible, trusted source that has knowledge about it to help me make the best educated decision, you know, for myself. And so I would go to something like that because, I'm in the spirituality, I meditate, I've had experiences in my meditations, and I've heard other people and um, their stories about mushrooms and their experiences with mushrooms. And there's some, there's an intersection between, you know, just basic meditation, and psychedelic experiences. And so I was curious, and so I went to the 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 uh, talk, and I think that one had like 50 people, you know? And so <laughs> right. I think it was like a mashup because the questions that you hear asked there, some people are knowledgeable, and so they know specifically... why they showed up, why they wanted to listen to this person talk, because they had a specific question based off of, yeah, a technical question. And then there are other people who say stupid shit. And so it's just like, (laughs) you know, it's like they want to know about. It is Burning Man, so I'm sure there's no judgment. No, there's totally not um, any judgment. But at the same time, it's just like when you listen to an entire speech of someone, you know, talking about the life-saving potential for these uh, uh, particular substances and then some random person who's possibly high, you know. Possibly. Yeah, very likely, you know, and they ask a question about it from the perspective of its potential to heighten a party, you know, or a party experience or, you know, mixing it with, you know, other stuff that obviously this person can't person you know can't suggest
0: let's talk about let's talk about some of the drug the substance use in burning man obviously you know you mentioned some of them ayahuasca which i just found out about uh this week mom i, I haven't taken it i was just listening to a podcast <laughs> <laughs> ayahuasca and dmt and all these things yeah. like is it safe to say like a lot of people just go to the desert as like an excuse to just be in in an open space where they can freely participate in such substances? And do people actually share substances like they share water and other supplies
1: in Burning Man? Um, No, I, I wouldn't say that people go to Burning Man to have the opportunities or the space or the environment. It's, um, to do the substances. Now I'd say that people who go to Burning Man for the community might bring those substances to heighten their experience, but that's a, uh, a choice just like a person might bring cigarettes to work to as a coping mechanism, you know what I'm saying, to make it through their day. You know what I'm saying? It's like the the specific substances are a tool you know what I'm saying? And certain people use them with a procedure and a method, and you know, they use intelligence and safety and all that. And then plus there is a 24-hour medical center, right? No. In Burnham. There is there's a 24-hour med tent particularly designed for first response diagnosis. Um, it's almost like that med tent is a big warehouse full of um, EMTs or ambulance people who work in ambulances, you know, they're not surgeons. They're not doctors.
0: So they, if it's a, like a, a severe case, they have to ship ship people.
1: If it's a severe case, hospital. you have to be helicoptered out to the nearest hospital and that helicopter bill will potentially be around $20,000. Oh wow. Yes. And so that's where the radical self-reliance comes into play that's where the communal um community and immediacy comes into play you know you have to be responsible for your time at burning man because we're in a desert right and so like for instance um i met a guy who was on what was he doing some psychedelic i think potentially on a a whole lot of mushrooms on a whole lot of something right Mm -hmm. and he does that and then decides to get on a motorized bicycle, an, an oh, wow. e bike. O- operating heavy machinery. Wow. Yes. Not a smart decision. Wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Motorized uh, e bike, right? Not a smart decision, despite the fact that the speed limit in Burning Man is five miles per hour. There's a speed limit? Yes. All the, the art cars, all. Of- so there are rules in yes. Burning Man. That's what Yes. You're saying. There are oh. like legitimate rules, and all of them are practical. Okay because is there security in burning man or like a police like a burning man police there's a burning man uh what are they call the black rock rangers black rock rangers. but then there's also the nevada um police force oh interesting. yeah and so the black rock rangers are burners the nevada police force i don't think they're called the nevada police but i can't think about the name but are, are they
0: the nevada police force do they get into the city or they're just like around somewhere in case they
1: need them on their call? they're around kind of the thing? perimeter they check for drugs and illegal substances They check for drugs. that's funny yeah and so <laughs> that's and so there are literal like undercover um officers who navigate throughout burning man and they're trying to find people with the illegal substances
0: that's funny what are they going to do arrest someone in the middle of the desert yes. they have like a Interesting. Yes, they will get you, they will take you away. Drugs subtracting <laughs> drugs out, Burning Man. That's the funniest thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah.
1: And so there's a um a little like pop culture term in Burning Man called stranger danger, which mm. means if you're at your camp and most nine times out of ten, you can walk into anybody's camp and it's all good because it's all love. And so if, if somebody walks into your camp and then they start asking you, like, do you know where I can buy? You know some mushroom stranger danger because nobody nobody's selling anything at burning man and so if someone comes to you and asks you if they can buy if you know where they can buy some party favors they're nine times out of ten uh, undercover you know and so interesting it's like that or they're just a person who's really you know um really naive, naive and they are doing things that could get people's experiences ruined. And so another reason for the term stranger danger is that say you were to be like, no, nobody's selling, you know, mushrooms at Burning Man, but I have some, I'm willing to share them with you. And so you share with this person who just asked you to buy. And so then this person goes to the next camp where there happens to be uh, undercover and they're like, and says, oh, that tent over there, they're sharing X. they're they're sharing X or I tried to buy and they just gave it to me or blah 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 And so then he gets arrested and then they, you know, do what the authorities do to get him to pinpoint the tent where the, where it was, the moment that they have a, a reasonable, was it like uh, something cause or a reasonable doubt or whatever, they can search the whole camp. Interesting. How how big is the camp? Um, like, how, how far does it take you to walk from one end to the it other? It depends. It depends on the size of the camp. If it's like a 250-person camp, it's probably... Oh, sorry, not the camp, the city. Oh, the city? Um. Mm-hmm. Can you walk through it in an hour or two? Maybe? It'll probably take you two hours to get from the entrance, well, maybe an hour and a half hour and a half two hours to get from the entrance all the way to the trash fence and the trash fence is like the last point of burning Man, and so it's it's big it's the size of a small town maybe like i live in i can imagine i live in glendale california in los angeles and so it's like a town city town in los angeles and it's probably the size of glendale
0: interesting yeah and when does Burning Man hold year? Is this the same time, like, in May or something? The same time or- in
1: August. And so it's, like, August. the last two okay. weeks
0: of August. So it's two weeks. Do most people, like, tough it out, like, the two weeks well, or people just spend, like, a
1: few days? It's, it's one week. I believe it's from Sunday to Sunday. But it opens up a week prior so all the camps can come in and set up their camp. Set up before the event because on that Sunday the event starts. And so they give the theme camps, you know, a little bit of time to come and set up. And for some people, it's three weeks for the people who are volunteers for the event. It could be two months, you know. So they'll be out there for two months setting up the perimeter, building the man, building the the um, the temple. And the temple is basically a um, a place for people to come mm-hmm. and say goodbye to people who have passed in their life. And so it's a a wooden building um, or structure, artistic structure where people will come and pin photos of people who have passed away, pin letters to them, you know, create like a little uh, shrine in their honor, flowers and everything. Everything that you post up has to be burnable uh, because on the last Sunday of the event, they burned they burned the temple. And it's and the man. And well, the man is burned on Friday and the, the man okay. burning is like a celebration. It's the celebration of rebirth. And so the, uh, the, like the, the core. And when you say a man, this is like a, what, like a 30 foot
0: wooden statue like yes. of a man. Yes. Right?
1: And every year there's a theme for the event. And usually they build that theme into the man structure and is the man at the city center it's in the very center of the city and yeah and so as you're checking out all the art and all the stuff that's going on in the in the in the middle in the middle of the city is the playa and so that's where all Mm -hmm. of the different art um projects will be built and so not like the man is like the tall usually the tallest but like if you type in google Burning Man art, you'll see all different types of structures. Um, yep, yep. I, I think I saw a ship once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a ship
0: with whales in the desert. Yeah. like, what
1: the hell is going on but here? But that was an art car. Mm-hmm. And so right, some people right. build art cars. And I remember one year, there was like a 50-foot pirate ship, like a massive, I think that's the one. Massive I think that's the same one I saw, ship. like a ship. And it was like... It was mind blowing, like just in my mind, cause I'm super detailed with the way that I think, I was thinking what could have inspired a group of people to come together to put in all this effort to strip down maybe a monster truck, or i do not sure whatever type of uh, frame that they use to build this battleship on top of, but what, what would inspire them to put forth all of that effort just to make something to bring to Burning Man to drive around for you know five days. Competition. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, what? And I think that was like my my second or third burn. And I was like, I love this. I love the idea of being around so many different types of people who think like children. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like everything that I was seeing, like like a 15 foot cow on wheels. Are kids allowed in in Brayman No, There's an age limit. No, you can bring your kids.
0: Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So you're literally like 10-year-olds, 9-year-olds in
1: Brayman One of my campmates brought, uh, I think, a 4-year-old. Another one of my campmates brought his whole family, and he had, uh, I think, a 4- or 5-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 12-year-old. He brought his mother and his father um, and they were like, I think in their seventies, eighties, and his, it was old family a, event for that whole guy. Whole family event. People literally like bring their children to expose their children to this early, because it's like if you imagine a society where people went from childhood to adulthood without being conditioned by you know different religious structures and social structures and rules and regulations mm-hmm. and all that, we would be mm-hmm. like. A lot of the people at Burning Man, where it's just like constantly Man. trying to find creative ways to appreciate life and explore life and express.
0: Would you want to see the more of the world emulate what Burning Man represents, or you think it's good as an escape, but it's not, might not be achievable or realistic or even uh, sustainable in the real world if
1: everyone is just like we have to be productive, or you know, I don't know. My first, like, what do you think? My first year at Burning Man. I believe I knew what it was. I believe that Burning Man is the beginning of a utopian cultural idea. Now, the way that the people who, you know, built it or who, who built the idea and, you know, nurtured it and allowed it to expand into what it is, they might have their own specific opinion about it. But for me and what it was what the people were doing, what was going on there, and the ideas that were being, you know, encouraged in people and the expression of those ideas. I believe that it's almost like the yin yin and yang, right? You know, the yin and yang symbol? Mm -hmm. On one side, you have the light with with a little bit of darkness. And on the other side, you have the darkness with a little bit of light. And so Burning Man would be on the dark side in that little circle of light, it's almost like the the idea is that it's cyclical, and so maybe one time in society, like say pre-dynastic Egypt, everyone was loving and accepting, and and there was like this small pocket of negative people who were plotting and planning towards developing a society where everyone had to struggle to survive, no matter what they were doing. And so, to me, it just seems like the idea of Burning Man is the beginning of something that's going to expand and that is expanding a particular type of culture because a lot of the people will take those principles And adopt them into their life. Like I do.
0: I mean, it it has been around for like, what, 30 years or something? I think it started like in the 70s or something. Do you think, in your opinion, like um, the way the world is now? Because I can imagine in the 70s, like Brandy Man should be, should have been like an escape. Like not a lot of people knew about it. Just go to the desert for a week, like enjoy the art and everything and come back. But now it's like a lot of people like taking pictures. Like Brandy Man, you see all the pictures that does that like, do you think people are really experiencing Burning Man nowadays the way people experienced it in the 70s?
1: I believe that it started off as an escape. And because of the freedom of it and the, the environment that it started in, so the cultural environment, which is the Bay Area. So there was already a culture of a respect and appreciation for specific principles like this, you know? And so I'm sure when they first went out, it was a free-for-all. Everybody doing whatever they wanted to do. Over time, they're like, all right, if we're going to continue to do this, we have to create rules because I accept you the way you are. You accept me the way that I am. But some of the shit that you do for fun isn't safe. It's not sustainable. Like they used to shoot rifles out there, you know? And as, as cool as that might be, as fun as that might be for some people, the necessity for safety trumped the necessity for complete radical expression, you know, and so maybe somebody accidentally got shot, maybe, you know, someone discharged the weapon, you know, and like, uh, I used to be in JR Junior, Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps, and I was on the rifle team, we shot like little tiny bullets, like maybe like that big and that thin, so they're really small bullets. But at the same time, there were rules. When you had a rifle that could potentially be loaded, which you never did, we never walked around with a loaded rifle. The only time you could load the rifle was when you were downrange, And this was at high school. So we had a shooting range in our high school. Um, There were so many rules just carrying around an empty rifle, an unloaded rifle. And so it's just like when you go out into an environment and you have all of these super educated people who are creating this space you know i'm sure they learned from trial and error over the course of these 30 years and that's where these principles came from but that's what man like this epic culture is what manifested from all of that
0: but but isn't it funny though like um, in a, and I'm not, like, you know, downplaying, like, the essence of burning. No, no, no. I totally understand it, and I'd love to experience it. But isn't it funny, like, it was, like, countercultural. Mm-hmm. It's like, fuck, fuck the system. Yeah. It started off on a beach somewhere, like, look, we're gonna do what we like. Um, society is too much systems, is too much of control. The... Presidency, whatever, lawmakers, whatever, we don't care. However, over time, as their society, Bernie Mac got bigger, they then saw the need for rules and systems mm-hmm. and the things they were trying to get away from. Like it's it's a bit ironic. But let me ask you this: like, what's the worst thing you think you've Seen or have seen in Burning Man. Um, uh, obviously, you didn't witness someone getting shot. You said maybe. It yeah, maybe. It what's happened. the worst thing you've seen, and what's the best thing you've seen or experienced in your eight years um, going to Burning Man?
1: I would say the worst thing that I, I the worst thing that I've seen would pop potentially be the. I was in the bed tent because I had a traumatic experience. It was an accident, but it was also caused by negligence. Um, long story short, my friend had um edibles um with THC in them. And I'm not sure if you experience edibles, but it's hard to determine how much THC is in a particular edible. And and I've had experiences where I OD'd with edibles prior to that experience. So my friend who bought them, I told them I didn't want anything to do with those. Keep those away from me because they're they're just they're too unreliable. Long story short, the man is about to burn. We just left my friend's RV. My friend gave us each like a little bag full of fruits and snacks and stuff like that, like kind bars, all the little um, protein bars and stuff. I was hungry because I would, we, we had just gone out on this long bike ride. And so I ate all my stuff and we we're waiting for the man to burn. He's about to burn in like 15 minutes. In the front of this line, maybe like, say, 15,000 people behind us because we got there early. And... It's a circle. And so all everyone at the at the almost everyone at the burn is out there to watch the man burn. Right. Mm -hmm. I turn to my friend. I say, dude, I'm still hungry. Do you have anything left? And so he reaches in his bag and says, here, eat this. It's a Rice Krispie treat. It's a big ass softball size Rice Krispie treat. I was like, where did you get that from? Because it didn't look like any of the stuff that we were given from my friend's tent. And he goes, I got it from your friend. This was the the negligent slash accident. The friend that he got it from was my friend back home in LA who he bought the edibles from, the THC edibles. We had just left on that day. We had just left my friend's RV who gave us food. And so he says, I got it from your friend. I'm thinking. It was your friend in the the city. Yeah, Yeah, not the one in LA. Yes. Mm. And I particularly told him, I didn't want any of the edibles, so why would he offer them to me as something to eat? So I ate the whole fucking thing. Oh, wow. And he says, oh, you ate the whole thing? I I wanted some. Not, oh, you ate the whole thing. There was THC in that. You should hurry up and go to the med tent, or you should go get some That's water wow. because you're going to OD because that thing was hella fucking big. He didn't say any of that. I some. He said, "I wanted some." Long story short, <laughs> my legs start going numb. Like, oh my! Like literally, what happens when you OD on um, THC? Your body gets paralyzed. Oof. Yeah, so full pr- par- paralysis. You can't die from it. You just full paralysis. You sleep it off, then you drink water to get it out of your system, and then you just pee, 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 pee. How long? Like, where are you? It takes about anywhere between six to uh 12 hours to get out of your system but th- this is what happened um all this crazy stuff happened for me to get out of that crowd of people and start heading towards the med tent but i couldn't just go straight to the med tent because we're in the center of burning man and there is a big lit up it's it's nighttime there's a big lit up green LED cross on the top of the med tent but then there's like LEDs everywhere and so it's like so you couldn't, like, I write. couldn't just, you know, identify it. Wait, they didn't, your friends didn't help you to the med tent? I'm like, I'm about to faint. This motherfucker is like, what's wrong? He still didn't tell me that there was anything in the fucking... That, that dude, well, let me, wait, let me, let me
0: look up the principle. I think that's principle six, civic responsibility. Right.
1: And so... <laughs> you violated that. Yeah. <laughs> so long story short, I end up in the med tent. Like, the ambulance, someone had to call the ambulance. And they came to get me, brought me back to the med tent, put me on an IV. And I'm sitting there and I, I I I wake up because I was already paralyzed. I was passed out. I wake up and I'm in this med tent and I look down like, you know, remember that scene in The Matrix where all the guns just come down out of the white, white uh, room and it's just like a sea of mm-hmm. guns? It just seemed mm-hmm. like there's a sea of cots full of hurt people. <laughs> I mean, like hundreds of people. <laughs> And so I would say that that's one of the worst things that I've seen. But it's a natural thing because people are on bicycles, you know, in the desert where the ground isn't, the ground is wavy sometimes. Like say if there was a rain, the ground um, is, is mud or it's like dust. And so it packs down into a hard surface. But if it rains and then a car drives over it, it turns into mud. Or if you step on it, it'll just, you know, take your boot off. It's that level of mud. But when it dries again, it dries with that boot print or it dries with that tire track. And so this is another uh, funny thing about Burning Man. If it rains, you can't leave your camp because when the ground is wet, you create impressions in the ground. So the next day when it dries up, now you have this jagged surface that the utility truck oh, it's, it's a rule not to leave your camp. You can't. So that the roads are smooth. You cannot okay. leave your camp. You cannot drive. So let's.
0: What if it starts raining when you're out of your camp? Like the rain catches you. You have to. I don't know the coffee
1: shop. You have so to, you stay, have to stay, there. stay there.
0: You have to stay there. But it's not just about staying there till it stops raining. Like after it stops raining, like the ground still takes a while to dry up. Are you supposed to wait
1: and someone announces, "Okay, it's okay to come out"? Burning Man cabin. is closed in a sense. If it rains for that day it's just closed. Interesting. And people know that going, you know, and so it becomes a part of the experience where everyone has to come together and keep each other, you know, um, entertained. But at the same time, it's the Nevada desert, which it rarely, you know, ever rains, like maybe in the eight years that I've gone, it probably only rained once or twice. You know, And so it's not a likely occurrence, but if it does happen, everything gets shut down. People can't even come in. So if there's like a long five-hour line, and I say five hours on a dry day. So wow. if there's a long five-hour line and it rains, you're going to be sitting in your car for a day. Interesting. And people know. People know. But yeah, so mm-hmm. to finish answering your question, that med tent was like the worst thing because it's just a whole bunch of hurt people. Most of them were hurt innocently. But the girl who was next to me, I asked her what happened to her. She had a big old black eyes. She's all scraped up and all kinds. Of, it was just, it was bad. She looked bad. And then I said, "What happened?" And she was like, "This motherfucking dude. Uh, he tried to. He tried to. What she say? He tried to test me, and so I beat his ass. And so. Oh, you should see the. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, and so that's another thing, which is. Life still happens at Burning Man. You know, there's tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of positive stuff. But you know, people get in the fights. I've never seen one head-on, but most of the most of the confrontations that happen are just like little uh, petty, high stupid stuff. high school mm-hmm. type of little dramas and stuff. Uh, one time at a camp, um, this girl's really cool girl. She's uh, extremely pretty. And we were building our structure. We were building our camp. And one of the guys was with three of his friends and they were having beers and they were drinking whatnot. And so one of them goes and grabs her ass. And so me and all of the camp leads are building the, the, the structure. She comes up, she starts helping. And I've always been intuitive when it comes to people's emotional state because of my own personal anxieties and being just super anxious about the mean people. And so I saw her and she for to me she was clearly sad. And so I asked her what was wrong. And she was just like I don't want to talk about it. And I was just like, you know, usually what that means is I don't want to say it because it's going to cause a bigger problem. And so then I was like time out brought it to the side and I was like I'll keep it between you and me. You know, but being that you're here, we're in this environment, it's not good to keep certain things that are bothering you to yourself, particularly in groups, you know, in large groups of people. So I want to be that person that you can trust to share what's going on with you. And so she tells me what happens. She says, you know, he says something and then he grabs her ass and blah, 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 And so then I asked her for her permission to say something to him, because um, as much as that might make her uncomfortable, if I don't know who it is, I can't keep it from happening to the other girls in our camp. And mm-hmm. I... Principle five, communal effort. Exactly. Or exactly. All right. And so... You know, I just helped her see that her sharing his identity would allow me to make our camp a safe place for everyone, not just her. And usually it's just, you know, it's someone who just needs a better perspective. So she she tells me who he is. I go up to him. I pull them aside because I wasn't sure which one of which one of it was. And so then I was like, let me talk to you guys real quick. And um, I was just like, I heard that someone, you know, is is playing grab ass. And so they started laughing. And so then I was like, oh, snap, who was it? And so then the particular guy points it out, points her out and says, dude, she's so fucking hot, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. So I had to pause and gather myself because I was hot. You know, I was ready to I was ready to throw them because we put so much time, money and effort in creating a safe space in a dangerous, uh, potentially dangerous place. You know what I'm saying? You know, at the same time, Bernie Man being so radically inclusive and whatnot, it brought me back to my childhood days where people weren't safe. You know what I'm saying? And so I just told him I was like, number one, that's not cool. And number two. I just i I need you guys to understand that what you did could either get you kicked out of our camp or get your ass beat. I think you should start with the first one because I don't think well, like, from why you're
0: narrating the story, like get your ass beat. Like,
1: I ain't no reason with that. Well, start the, that. my my approach is based on my understanding of emotional intelligence if you start mm-hmm. with a negative you trigger someone and once once someone's triggered in the in their stress response is active they can't hear you you know mm-hmm. and i didn't want it to become a much bigger thing because i promised her that i would you know try to manage it and so i was like one the reasonable thing you can get kicked out of the camp and two you can get your ass beat but at the same time we're all here to have a good time, you know? Nobody wants it to be one or the other. And the guy who did it, I knew. And so it was a whole nother thing. And so I told them what what they did, I was like how it affected me, you know, personally, and how it affects our camp Mm -hmm. and how it could affect them. And so I showed them, I illustrated to them what their actions did to her and how them doing something negative brought negative energy to the build. I picked up on it, so I had to stop building. I had to take her aside. She told me what you guys did, even though she didn't want to. And so if I wasn't me, I would have just went and told everybody else what they did. And so now nobody's building, and you guys are on the spot. Somebody's potentially fighting because she was brought by another guy. And so I was illustrating this whole thing about how one little negative deed could you know, blow up into a whole for- forest fire, and everybody's burn is fucked up. And this is before it even started. Interesting. And did they apologize eventually? He started crying. Who, who, the guy this- who grabbed their ass, he started crying <laughs> oh (laughs) exactly (laughs) but that's why i love it though oh my god that's why i love it is that oh my number one reason for going to burning man is the communal aspect You know, it's interesting you say that because I always
0: thought that kind of serial killer hideout in Burning Man because Burning Man is all about community, inclusivity, no judgment. Like if I'm a bad person, that that I'm on the news, like cops are looking for me. Can I go to Burning Man and everyone will just like no judgment accept me or
1: will someone like point me out and give me up? It depends on your behavior at Burning Man. If you're the...
0: Mm, So all your prior stuff, like I'm on the run. Like I just killed a family and I stopped over at Burning Well, if
1: nobody knows that you killed the family, then you're going to have a good burn. You know what I'm saying? Right. (laughs) But the cool thing about that experience is that I was able to use my words to illustrate the effects of their behavior. And they, they picked up on it to the point. And I tell this story a lot because it illustrates the magic of these 10 principles. The dude literally didn't think about the effects of his behavior, but because we were at Burning Man, he was willing to receive the way that his behavior affected me and listen to what I had to say, because I was one of the, Mm -hmm. you know, potential leads in the camp. And in a, in a way he respected me because I was cool with everybody. Right. So I'm that cool dude and I'm telling him all of these things that could potentially happen and all of the things that did happen. And I was just like, you know, I made him reflect on his behavior. It's like, are you, are you a fucking, um, I brought this to his attention. I was like, are you a sex offender? You know, are you a sexual deviant? You know, would you like to be labeled on that list where people fucking look at you like this type of person that they're not safe around? And he was just like, all of them were like, no. And I was like, well, look at, like just consider what just happened. You guys are over here laughing while well, she no longer feels safe. In this entire space, because of that it's one thing, her safety mm. is compromised. It's a wrap. And what I'm trying to do is keeping the way that she feels from spreading throughout the rest of the camp to where all the rest of the girls don't feel safe around any of us guys, right. because the grab ass has already begun at Burning Man. And so that's why he started crying because he didn't, you know, he didn't see all that. But that's what I love about Burning Man is that that type of conversation can be had, and this is the full circle. The next, I think, four years down the line, that same dude comes to me and like gives me a hug, and he's like, dude, that, that talk that we had that night changed my life because I've never been challenged by my bad behavior. No, no other guy has ever you know, taken the time to check me and make me see what that type of behavior does to other people and could potentially do to me. And so he gave me a hug. He gave me a gift, and he he broke down crying that day too because it was that um, effective on his perspective. And then maybe I should go to Burning Man self. <laughs> a lot of people crying all the time. because <laughs> I'm, I'm it's radical man. radical self expression. <laughs> you know, if you. Right. If you right, have right. an
0: experience. I respect it. I respect it. And and I want to go to be honest. Like I keep telling my friends, but you're not down for it. And like, what the fuck? Like Bernie Matt, dude. You moved to Colorado, you just became <laughs> 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 Like... So, like like let's go to vegas man you're always going to vegas like, let's try burning man one year but tickets are so expensive so okay tell the people who are yeah. listening like if people are interested obviously you're not part of the organizing committee but you've been going for a few years if people are interested tickets are like a thousand dollars and that's like minus no no, no no tickets
1: like are tickets they, like, are scholarships tickets or are four hundred dollars four hundred dollars every year and yeah. uh, a parking pass
0: no, I mean a ticket for this year, I think because of COVID, it's a little no. price because it, it didn't hold <laughs> last
1: year. No, nope. The the price hasn't so gone up. The no? price hasn't gone up. Um no. tickets are four hundred dollars. There is a low income um uh bracket, which is fifty percent off. So it's like two hundred and five dollars, uh two hundred and fifteen. How do you prove your low income? You Just you can like either send in uh uh the the tax you know your tax paperwork or if you're any if you're on any low income special programs like in the city or whatnot then you can send them like say your ebt card a picture of your ebt card and you just send them like a breakdown you can send them a check stub you know saying that this is how much i make weekly or monthly or whatever and then you just write like a maybe like a three three four paragraph essay on why you need it you know and um Oh, but it's necessary because when you're when you're trying to do right and you're trying to mm. navigate outside of the whole elitist category, you have to make sure mm. that the people who are um, taking advantage of this opportunity are the actual people who need it. People, you know, because mm. as we know, right. in the, the category of people of color, you know, white people will take advantage of anything that they can take advantage of. You know what I'm saying? Like for instance, um, once the government, I I just learned this, I think like two years ago, once the government started making concessions for the Native Americans in the United States, like giving them land and property for reparations and whatnot, there's this concept called um, in the United States, a $5 Indian. And basically what that is, is that once people of, of the white category found out That Native American people were being given land, white men would, and $5 was a lot of money back then, white men would give the people who were handing out this land $5 to be um, documented as a Native American. And so that's why you have certain Native American people in the United States who are just like, who are legally Native American, but just look white. And so there were white people who you know, twisted the system to benefit from. And that's been happening, you know, because this is this is their sphere. This is their environment. And also- It's happening right now in the academy. Exactly. And also to go back to the question that you asked, um, I didn't really get an opportunity to fully answer that about the elitism um, and the radical inclusion. What you were saying is true. And Burning Man um, decided to start addressing that last year, which is- there is this uh, specific category called radical inclusion, but is it necessarily inclusive? It, A lot of, why, why did
0: all the inclusive, and I'm sorry to cut you short. why did all the inclusion conversations start last year after the George Floyd issue? Like it, all organizations just automatically started talking inclusion. Like,
1: Bernadette has been existing for 30, yeah. 40
0: years. Why wait till last year to start that Because
1: last year was like this global shutdown where no everyone's priorities were gone, you know. Mm-hmm. Say eighty. Did he have to take a shot? Eighty-five percent. Eighty-five percent of the world, you can say, we're not working. Everyone's in t- in front of a screen, and so now you have this guy who's murdered by a police officer on national television, and the murderer is videotaped. So everyone sees George Floyd alive, and they see him dead, and that goes to illustrate how disconnected the world was from the stories that we continued to tell. You know what I'm saying? Because we have been saying that this stuff has been going on since forever, but because so much is going on, it's it's almost like us and homeless people. It's like, we see that there are people on the street that need help. We see it, but at the same time, I am sustaining my life. If I stop doing what I'm doing for me to take care of... That's an interesting analogy. I haven't heard it that way before. To take care of this person's Mm -hmm. problems, then that could potentially take away from... like I could lose my job. Or at the same time, I could stop to help this guy who potentially doesn't want to be housed, who doesn't want help. You know what I'm saying? There's so many things going on. And so from a white perspective, you watch TV and you have all of these narratives about us and how, you know, wild we are and how we're liars and we take advantage of the system and we do this, that, this, that, and this. And the media is constantly portraying us as the problem. So they see what's going on, but then they also get this report from, you know, the truth truth keepers, which is the media, that we're this and we're that and we're all this negative shit. And so nothing you know, really happens, even though people actually want to do something. And so because of the lockdown and because of that little bit of evidence, that kind of gave everybody the go-ahead to fucking hit the street. And so in Los Angeles, the streets were packed with hundreds of thousands of people, you know, who've wanted to do something, who've wanted to say something, who've wanted to have a voice because they see that it's wrong. But then everyone looking at it from an individual perspective what am I what is my trying to change this you know going to do going to do for whatever whatever and so last year it wasn't just the united states it was in europe it was all over the all over the world because of what happened with george you know what i'm saying and so i believe that because of these because these corporations saw how global that the protest was you know it's almost like yeah but that's my point why does it have to be till we reach
0: that magnitude before they paid attention and even now you don't know what corporation is serious about it or what corporation doesn't just want to look bad you know it's just like oh we've been here for 40 years but all of a sudden uh we we need to talk about our diversity and inclusion program like i have a friend who runs a she she runs a consultancy business that talks about diversity and inclusion and she was Thinking of packing up, like, closing shop, like, a few months to the protest, like, because she had been running it for, like, four years, and she hadn't really made any money because a lot of companies just invite her to speak for free. Nobody pays her to actually go through these diversity trainings. But she was like, she was thinking of closing shop and everything. Once that happened, everyone she had been emailing. She couldn't even stand <laughs> to like refer to. Yeah, other yeah, companies. yeah. Hopefully. Like, so you have to ask yourself, like, how much of it is, as we say in Nigeria, eye service and how much of it is, you know, real? Or hopefully she raised her
1: rates. <laughs> Oh, she
0: definitely. She was like, "I'm gonna." You have this. to like <laughs> this six months. What the whole thing is? She milked it, and she was like, "Well, but anyway." Um, sorry to cut you short there, but just as a way to wrap up, it's kind of like so. You talked about the price, four hundred dollars. How do people get tickets? Um, you mentioned the, this is the last two. weeks. The website.
1: Broadcast. You can go on the website, get all the ticket information. You can go on the website, get the low income ticket information. Um, there's also Uh, uh, an Instagram account called the Black Burner Project. And it's basically um, for, you know, people of color, uh, African-American people, the girl who started it and founded it, she's a photographer and she was documenting, you know, Black people at Burning Man. And then it just grew into like this grassroots movement of showing people of color that we actually go to Burning Man. And 2019 was one of the most, oh, I never answered this question too. The most meaningful experience that I've ever had at Burning Man was that group photo. It was probably like 250, possibly more uh, Black people. We all came together to take this group photo. And while we were there, it was just like mind blowing because generally like we're 1% of the population. So when you go, you're usually like one, two or three Black people in a camp full of, you know, primarily white people, but Asian people, Latin American people, whatnot. And so for us all to come together and see such a massive group of black people, it was like, it was, it was crazy because we, everyone kept saying the same thing. I had no idea that this many people, this many black people actually go to Burning Man. Like we would see each other in passing, but in a group, it was like deep. And so, you know, that, that kind of added to the whole conversation and the whole radical inclusion idea of how radically inclusive is Burning Man because white people love black people when it's a few of us, you know? And
0: so I, uh, I wonder if I, if I wonder if I can get my parents to go to Birmingham, like my mom, like my my African mom, like my Nigerian mom, like, you want to go to where to do what? <laughs> so what do I do when I go there? I, I what? And what? Yeah. <laughs> she's gonna bring a Bible and like start preaching <laughs> to people like, you don't need to do this. Uh, look. Jesus loves <laughs> you, <laughs> so, but uh, that that's another story. But you know, it's all good. But man, I really appreciate you for you know giving us insight. And you know, like you said, BurningMan.org, the website or the Black Burner Project, if you're you know a uh, black and you know or a person in of color,
1: because they also it's including mm-hmm. like there's Asian people. She interviews people as well, and so on her Instagram account, you can see like people telling their stories similar to what we're doing, and there's hundreds of. Them. You know, so like Latin American people. Age, What's her name? Um, hold on. The Black Burner, Burner project. Project. It is. Mm, I'll probably tag that in the. Description yes, yes, please, we'll please do. Because oh, I also I was interviewed on there as well, um, and it was a really good interview. But I would say the reason why it's worth giving a watch is because it gives you a perspective that you don't get in the videos. You don't get on the Burning Man videos. You don't get from the Burning Man website. You know what I'm saying? And Black people, African people, we want these experiences. But when you see an environment that's like a that appears, you know, 100% white, or that is legitimately 80% white, you're always, you know, hesitant because you're not sure what the reception is going to be. Or a person that looks like you. And so the reason why she created this account is because you, you know, it's like, say you're a black person, you've never heard of Burning Man before, you watch the videos and it's like, it's all white people, you know, but then someone tells you about her account. And so it's like, it gives you reason to trust and go and experience. And then also you can connect with these people on um, the people that have been interviewed on Burning Man. You can connect with her name is. Where
0: is it? Photographer. Uh, like she, she tags the people in the interviews, right? So you can just like go to your profile and DM them yeah. or something.
1: Um. Okay. Yeah. Aaron Shaw. Aaron. E R I N dash. Oh, yeah. Aaron S H A. And she's a photographer. She's the founder of the Black Burner Project, and she's super chill, super cool. You know, you might even consider you know interviewing her because like just the the concept is awesome. Her photography is awesome. You know, that's her right there. Oh, that'll, that'll be like an interesting, like if I go to Burning Man, maybe I'll just
0: take my podcast equipment and like talk to her. Yeah. That that'll be an interesting
1: Yes, yes. See,
0: it is called culture class after and
1: all. It's just you know. a mashup of all of these different cultures. And you say August, right? Yeah, in August, okay. in August. And another cool all thing right. is that I I mean, look for my EBT. (laughs) (laughs) When you go, you know, everyone, it's not like you're going to meet a bunch of people who who present from the Burning Man culture. You're just going to meet a bunch of people who are open to sharing, you know, whatever culture that they come from inspired. Yeah. Yeah, And so you would get tons and tons of awesome conversations, you
0: know. Okay. Okay. Someone else invited me out to Reno. I think Nevada. Uh, President uh Kevin Ba the republic of one of micronations <laughs> up there so i probably have a lot of things to do in vegas yeah. so to try to make it happen get your one. people to go be like forget vegas for one year hey i'm, hey, I'm trying maybe if you can put like a craps table <laughs> in the city center i could probably get a bunch of them like to gamble i'll probably get some of them to go but you know we can gamble with ice or
1: <laughs> but it's all good you want to drop your socials i think people want to reach out to you um nine johnson or at nine johnson um for instagram um at love fear 9.0 instagram my facebook is boring it's just like family and stuff like that and i'm all i'm only on instagram yeah, yeah. got it got it and as well, sorry no, I'm saying and as
0: always, this Culture Class Podcast everywhere as well. Follow us at uh, cultureclasspodcast.com. Maybe I'll do a blog post about Burning Man. I don't yeah. know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I'll reach out to Erin and I'll tag the Black Burner Project. And uh, it's been interesting getting to learn about this. If you're listening internationally, a lot of people fly in for this once a year. I mean, you might not be able to come once a year, but if it's once every five years or 10 years, it is an experience that I look forward to uh, having myself in the future. And I encourage you guys to try it as well all right guys till next episode it's been culture class podcast and be well